Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. So when I was in missions classes back at Multnomah Bible College, I was always intrigued with cultures and different experiences around the globe. You guys ever been intrigued with cultures and experiences around the globe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was in awe over Bible translators like Wycliffe and all these organizations that are taking the gospel to unreached people groups. But the world has changed. Uh, how, what do you have so? I think one of the things I'm going to do this week is we're going to talk about some observations and just some insights that I gleaned from being in India, being in Mumbai, India. Now, Mumbai is a little town of about 12 and a half million people. Small little town. And it's condensed. It's way more packed density than Chicago is, even though it doesn't have the high rises that we. Yeah, they've got some. They've got some high rise residential areas that are mm, 10, 11, 12 floors. Usually cap off at about that. But the amazing thing is the world has shrunk, Allie. In that, you know, we're in these safe houses with these girls. Beautiful stories of life change. Girls that have been rescued from the red light district. Actually, their moms decide to give them a shot at life that they didn't have. And instead of kind of pimping out the next generation, they decide, let's let's make a break. Many of those women actually get touched by the power of God and find themselves in a really difficult situation, needing to get job trained, needing to try to get freed from their pimp, but indebted to them. And one of the ways you get out of debt to a pimp is to give your daughter to them. Mm. Horrible. So the moms that don't give the daughters to the pimps are really putting it on the line, quite candidly. These are women that have been brought in from the far reaches of India or other countries beyond, and they come with the hope of a great income only to find out they're going to be prostituted out. They become slaves. They're slaves. Essentially. Yeah, they're slaves. In the worst possible way. Absolutely. Turning 10 to 40 tricks a day. Physical body, a woman's not designed for anything like that. Come on, guys. Let's be practical here. So they're nuked up on painkillers, for which you can get in any pharmacy in Mumbai. You go into a pharmacy, you want some, you want some painkillers? You want some drugs? Boy, they got drugs. And it's painful to watch all this go down. But in the undercurrent of Mumbai, India, a culture that's so different. I mean, they've got these auto, they call them autos. They're auto rickshaws. They're three-wheeled carts. You can have a thousand of those in two blocks, guys. A thousand. It's crazy. And I mean, there's lanes mean nothing. They mean less in Mumbai than they did in Manila, and they mean nothing in Manila. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> lanes mean nothing. I don't know why the lines are on the street. They should just scrib those lines out. Closer you get to the airport when you're leaving, all of a sudden, the more Americanized all the driving gets. It's a very funny thing. Huh. But the amazing thing about this world is that it has shrunk due to one thing, two things, the internet and the vehicle of these little gizmos right here. Smartphones. Yeah. Guys, it is unbelievable how the world has shrunk. In these safe homes, listen to these girls singing praises to God and their favorite songs, ask them favorite songs, Lauren Daigle, all the, all, the, all the guys that we play here, same songs. So great. 
Yeah, it's amazing because the ability to reach people now because of the digital age that we live in, the world has shrunk. Yeah. They know what's going on. So much more access for ministry opportunities. Everybody in Mumbai knows that Taylor Swift is going to go do four shows in Japan and be back to watch her boyfriend play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I'm saying, wow. I mean, right. I'm being hyperbolic. I don't no, know if I they think. focus on that. They probably don't care. But they know because it's right here. It's at the ready. And so I thought it'd be fun to bring in Samuel Naman. We often bring him in because of Call of Hope and what they're doing to reach Muslims abroad. But I want to bring him in to talk about his expertise in intercultural studies at Moody Bible Institute, for which he is a professor. Missions. Used to be called missions. Now it's intercultural studies and all kinds of other names. Okay. But Samuel has a handle on this. In fact, he's got a story, he tells me, that fits hand in glove with this. So we're going to bring him on here in just a little bit. But what's this mean for the gospel? And maybe you're in a missions role in your church or you've got some cross-cultural experience and you've seen the ever-shrinking world. I'm stunned. I am absolutely stunned. I, you know, I, when I go into a culture like Mumbai, India, that is so different from us, I'm I'm looking, I'm I've got my eyes and heart peeled, just going, Lord, what are you showing us here? And one of the great observations is the world is stinking, shrinking. And I mean it's stinking, shrinking fast. So although there's how many people on our planet now? Uh seven billion something. Yeah, I was saying six billion yeah. forever, but whoop, yeah. zip past that one. Seven billion and change. Yeah. Guys, this little thing connected to Starlink which is all over the place, has the ability to bring us all together. And the question is, how can we use this for the gospel of Jesus Christ? So we're going to get an expert's view on this. Dr. Simon Lamond coming up here in just a moment. You guys ready to rumble? Ready. Let's yeah. do it. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Technology has ushered in an era of astonishing commonality, and this has a lot to do with missions. Cultures are still unique, no doubt about it. Just go drive down the street to Mumbai, very different. By the way, all these vehicles crammed into 12 and a half million people, dense space. I did not see one accident or fender bender. Wow. Which is very impressive. Now, there's a lot of scrapes down the side of cars and side mirrors are <laughs> very rare. A little tattered, yeah. But... No accidents. They learn, you learn how to walk in that kind of traffic too. And I didn't have it down. I nearly got smacked a couple of times because there's a technique of walking, jaywalking over there that oh, wow. you sure. got to be raised in to know how to do it. I can imagine. And I'm watching these, I'm watching these women wait out with groceries loaded down and they're like dancing around cars. They're just putting the moves on. It's, it's beautiful. But the world is shrinking with the internet and cell phones. How is this impacting missions? Dr. Samuel Naman, our guest right now. Hey, my man, how are you? Good morning, Colin Crew. It's always good to be here with you. Yeah. So, so, so glad to be with you. Thank yeah. you so much. What's going on? Missions has changed, hasn't it, Doc? Missions has changed and will keep on changing, brother. Will yeah. keep on changing. And, uh, uh, you know, when you when you reached out to me and I said, okay, well, let me let me just give you a, uh, an actual thing that happened on Sunday morning, getting ready for church. Got a WhatsApp message uh, from uh, our brother in Kabul. Uh, he's he's ha he's been having some uh, health issues, 
we have been praying for him uh, post-COVID and um, with his heart, and he sent me a report. And I don't know what to do with that report, so I send it to another doctor who is actually here from Pakistan uh, doing his uh, USMLE exam, and very sharp guy, graduate of King Edward Medical College. Um, and uh, his his uh, passion is to uh, study cardiology. <clears throat> anyway, so he looked at it, and he consulted a pulmonologist, and in about 15 minutes, he had a list of medications and precautions that this gentleman has to do before we move forward. 15 minutes or less, Carl, 15 minutes or less. That is the power of technology. I mean, WhatsApp, and there are many other, you know. Sure. Uh, like platform platforms also, but usually overseas, WhatsApp is the one that is using signal and all that stuff. What I'm trying to say is this, that this is a clear example of how we care for our brothers and sisters there, even from here. Uh, Yes, of course, the gospel uh, penetration and proclamation is good, but even counseling and prayer requests. I mean, I get news from those parts of the world before the even national media in some countries have it because there are a lot of freelance uh, so-called reporters and yeah. they put it, they pick it up and put it and boom, every, everything is goes. Of course, you know, these are, these are believers who, who just want to connect with the outer world and uh, share their challenges and difficulties of what they're going through. So, it's changing, and we will we'll have to change. You know, I, I think that even in what we teach and how we do it, and um, just give glory to God yeah. uh, with uh, the advancement of technology by God's grace. Dr. Samuel Naman with us. He's a professor professor of intercultural studies here at Moody Bible Institute. He directs the Missions Conference. He also is the president and co-founder of the South Asian Friendship Center to reach Muslims and Hindus, located right here in Chicago. So how has technology helped our cultural understanding? And does it go both ways? Are other cultures better able to understand American culture or Western (laughs) culture? And is Western culture, are we better able to understand the world? Talk a little bit about that. Well, uh, Ali, this will take the whole semester, but let me try to sum up. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, technology has been, you know, people have been been watching everything that is happening since 2000, you know, since the dot-com boom boom started. Um, Other faiths and other entities of the world have used or manipulated technology to their use. I believe that we are we have been a little bit slow in gospel proclamation, or we are we are playing a catch-up game. But I'm glad that we are doing it. I mean, there are a lot of ministries that have um, you know Bible apps and all those things. But I mean, you you pick YouTube or with all the other now Instagram and all the other. Well, re- recently you can see TikTok. I'm not on those social media uh, platforms, but what you see is. People are expressing themselves in many different ways. And yes, it goes both ways. I think it creates understanding, but also it creates misunderstanding in many ways because people can use and people can share, people can put up anything and everything that we have. But remaining on the positive side for gospel proclamation, I believe that we have a tremendous opportunity all over. I think it is good, in my understanding, it is good for young generation, even like, say, Moody students, when they connect with people when they travel overseas, they keep on, I mean, I always encourage them, keep those relationships on, you know, because they can connect with them and 
keep that relationship in some way, shape, or form uh, in many different ways. So learning is happening on both sides. Uh, some is positive, some is not, not so positive. But for me, I feel that um, at least the message is being proclaimed or the possibilities of it, of it even penetrating some of the most darkest uh, parts of the world uh, everywhere. And I, I think that to me is very, very exciting. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing this uh, T7R coaching and I've been fascinated by how many people have come from around the globe to come into Zoom calls. I had a, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I had a Thursday night a webinar with Dr. Mark Job, and he crushed it, yes. by the way. We had a fun time. But we had people yes. from three different countries and probably, I would say, probably 10 to 15 states in the United States of America mm-hmm. that were on that call. And yeah. it's amazing that we can disciple, discuss, dis- yes. technology has power yes. here, Samuel, yes. and, oh, yes. and we need to start using it, I guess is the bottom line. Uh, yeah, Carl, I, I, I agree with you 110%. I think even the radio school of the Bible and all those things, I mean, you, you have been to India and even in Ghana. I mean, people have their phones, even yes. you may have not food on the table, but they'll have their cell phones. Yes. You know? Uh, and Android. So I think I think when you travel and see and then you look at it, I say, OK, you know, and maybe yeah, they may have they may not have money for the Internet connection or something like that. But but a lot of a lot of organizations now with crew and Bible Society and others, you know, they are putting the gospel on these chips, very small chips that they can they give out these chips so that they can put it in their cell phones and you know, you have Bible study, discipleship material in multiple languages. I mean, Jesus Fulham has done a phenomenal job, and so is all the other, other organizations who are doing it. Yeah. And it's, it's exciting time, and it is, believe me, it is not limited only to English. I think the and this is where I think for us in the West, we can be creative and we can serve the global South, you know, the, the developing world. Yes. We have the technology and we have the resources, and I think if we if we strategically pray and execute and use those resources it will be a phenomenal uh movement of uh, of uh, discipleship all over the world believe me i believe it i believe it yep samuel take care of yourself man we love you a lot here thanks for being with Thank us you today so much. yeah it's amazing guys what god's doing around the globe and um it's just fascinating to me i Dr. Norm Cook was our mission's prophet, Multnomah. He's gone on to his reward. He'd be utterly shocked at how accessible the world is now. And the question is, are we leveraging it? Got a question for you, Boom Crew. What are you using technologically to connect with maybe your missionaries around the globe? That's another thing that's different. Used to be missionaries, you'd see them once every few years or once every 10 years, it was a word called, do you guys even know this word called deputation? No. No. You don't know what that is? Not no. at all. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. Super Die, did you know the word deputation? No. Wait, to deputize someone? <laughs> That's what I would think. <laughs> I'm not talking think. Barney Fife deputation. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. 
Deputy. Deputation Deputy. was the okay. word for people that would, would come home and they would basically raise their support or re-raise their levels back to where they needed to be for, huh. for those that had dropped off while they had oh, been abroad. Wow. Okay. And they would travel around to church. It's so funny that you guys don't know about no, this. I no. guarantee you there's some folks that are my age or a little bit older that are going, oh my goodness, we don't know what deputation is anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah, it was a big deal back in the day. Big deal. So and funny. it still is for some missionaries. Yeah. yeah. They come mm-hmm. home and on deputation, they raise their resources back up, cast a vision for what they're doing abroad. But now things can happen this quick. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. There's a, a missionary friend that I went to school with here that my wife and I support, and he lives in a different state. So uh, in order to meet and talk about his missions, we met over Zoom. And now I get you know email updates from him monthly on what's going on. And so I don't have to see him in person so cool. to get all those types of things. I know what's going on by the minute, by the month. What are you doing creatively using technology, Boom Crew? Come on. Maybe you lead a intercultural kind of effort at your church or you're part of it or you're aware of it. 312-274-9624. 312-274-9624. Find us on social media. Just search Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I love talking about stuff like missions, man. It's so great, and I get such a kick out of the fact that you guys have not heard of deputation. <laughs> I love that. No, I just sorry. love that. Yeah, you kids, you've heard it something different, right, Alan? Yeah, changing. I've heard of that sort of break from the mission field to raise money. Well, yeah, I've heard a yes. different word, and I don't even remember what that word I've is. Heard Support a discovery. Word of it. Support. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, boom, crew. <laughs> I didn't Sorry. know they had names for it. I just thought people right. was like, yeah, we come back and we raise money. By the way, there's a lot more people on the planet than we originally told you 22 minutes ago. That's true. There's new numbers out as of literally this day. What do you mean this day? I just saw a live tracker. There is a live tracker website what? that checks it to the day. Where are we at? And they said as of today, February 5th, it is just under $8.1 billion. And it's that's the- how many are coming across the border. So what's the global? <laughs> That's the global. That's the global. 8.1 billion yeah. people. Yeah. I think it's like eight eight 8,089,000,000 8, and then some change. Wow. So that's insane. That's a lot of people, man. It's a lot of people. I remember when I was in high school, I think my senior year, when we were just getting ready to go past the 6 billion mark. And... Uh, and my ecology teacher was freaking out. She was like, that's too many people. And now we got 8 billion people. <laughs> and so it's interesting, man. There's yeah. a lot of people out there. Yeah. 8077, you nailed it when you come home. It's also called furlough. That's what, okay. Oh, that's the word that I've that, heard. I remember, yes. See, furlough's always had that negative connotation to me because it's like, you know, when you go you, off of you work, get, it's, you get furloughed. You're furloughed. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be somewhat positive for sure. Interesting. But people come home on furlough, but deputation is that support raising, and it doesn't end. It keeps going. Really fun. Good discussion. Okay, we're going to shift gears here. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to get after it. It's Super Bowl week here, guys. And I'm going to pitch a question to you right now. We know that the Super Bowl is happening. There's two very good teams in the Super Bowl. Would you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. With your limited knowledge. From what of, I follow with football, I know Patrick Mahomes is is there, and he's he's a winner. 
These are with the, because of the Ravens' steep decline in the closing weeks of the, their final game. Boy, did they drop off quick! They had a horrible game. I feel bad for them. They did. It was hard ending. But we got two very good teams in the Super Bowl. So I got a question for you, Boom Crew. What makes a great Super Bowl team? What? What do you believe makes a great Super Bowl team? Text in your response to that, 312-274-9624. What makes a great Super Bowl team? How is it the 49ers keep landing back in the playoffs in the Super Bowl? (laughs) I don't know. Same with the Chiefs. How have they done it? How do they do it? Four times in six years that they've been to a Super Bowl? It's a lot of times. 312-274-9624. Give us your answer to that question. We'll kick them around straight ahead. Hey, Bloom Crew, this is Matt Forte. Huddle up, because we're taking our next step with Jesus here on Carl and Crew in the Morning. Look, we got a couple of good teams in the Super Bowl this year. What makes a great Super Bowl team? There we go. (laughs) Uh, Let's get some feedback here. 312-274-9624. And you can probably predict where I'm going to go with this thing. And we're going to flip this thing around on its ear and make it for the church. But let's really, let's do a deep dive on this one. And I want you to get a spirited response for what makes a great Super Bowl team. I think there's things that we can learn all truth is God's truth, guys. Absolutely. And there's things that are going on on great teams that we need to take note of. Ooh. For sure. I've got a good one. You okay, go. You okay. So sometimes people think that all you need is a really good quarterback. A really good quarterback is a great thing to have. It's important. However, it's not the only thing you need to make a really good team. Let me give you an illustration of that. Yeah. Two words. Dan Marino. Yep, absolutely. Played for the Dolphins. Yep. Never won a Super Bowl. Why? Because he was a really good quarterback, but his team was never as good as he was. A stinketh. And so you have to be able to fill out your team. It can't just be the leader of the team that's really good. The rest of the people coming in around have to be really good too. Okay, super die. I think part of it is the coaching. Yeah, you've got to have a lot of good talent, but you have to have a coaching staff that knows where to put the talent in the right seats. If they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, or at least in the right seats where they're gifted, nothing's going to congeal. Yeah. And that's, I mean, come on. You've been to a workplace before when you've got great people on the bus, but then they need to be shuffled in their seats. Yeah. That's yeah. true yeah. teams. Absolutely. Uh, this came in from Jonathan Lazada, one of our favorites here. Uh, by the way, we don't normally know your names. We have about one out of a thousand. <laughs> yeah. But how do how does how do we know Jonathan? He oh, oh because I he's know, texted remember, us. He and was so. haranguing me one time yes. so bad we had to find out who this guy was. That's right. That's right. And so we pinned it on him. He's become a buddy. Lazada's gotten. He's not been bad behavior lately. <laughs> well behaved, Jonathan. Really well behaved. Good job. Good job. So he says many reasons, but here is mine. There, there's this cohesion within teams. Everything seems to click at the right time, and it's so hard to explain, but you feel like you can't be beat because you can almost read the minds of your teammates and what they're about to do. It makes the game easy. What a good insight, Absolutely. Man. Good insight. What other feedback we get in here, Allie? Yeah, we had someone who said uh, 5431 says great coach and great defense. 5672 added a team that plays like a team. Along those same lines, 9299 says it's a team and not individuals. And another vote for good coaching and everyone doing their part says 8914. Good stuff. If you had a choice between 
here's there's so many thoughts on Super Bowl and what makes a great team. Conventional wisdom is offenses get you to the Super Bowl, defenses win a Super Bowl. I, right. Have you heard that before? Yeah, defense, defense wins championships. Wins championships, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you believe that? I do. I think I think the team I think the fullest team often wins. And that is good offense, good defense. You can't just focus on one side of the ball. Everybody there matters and you can't get by just cutting and pasting, you know, small pieces. You got to have some big guys in there. What's more important, a good defense or a great coach? Well, that's a good question. I'm going with coach. I'm going with coach. Now, I'm married to a coach, not a football coach, but a basketball coach. <laughs> so you're so. a little biased. But, <laughs> so I'm a little biased. So but why do you say that? Because a great coach knows how to get the best out of what they yes. have. Right. Offense, defense, and for if, if we're talking football, mm-hmm. quarterback, they know how to get the best. And it's not just X's and O's. It's how they relate to the players. It's how they help them build a culture. A good coach gets the best out of their players. Okay, so let me take that a little bit further here. Can a great defense be formed without a great coach? I don't think so. So general managers go out and hire guys for positions, right? Yep. Your eyes are wide awake right now. I love love these uh, metaphors and how they go together with the church. So here's the question. Um, GMs can hire great talent. Yep. Yeah. So, like, who's the GM at San Fran again? I forget uh, his name. Come on, come on, Lynch? I don't know his first name. John Lynch. John Lynch. Amazing GM, Right. Perfect, I think we've yeah. got a good GM here. He's I think had we do some too. great pickups here yeah, lately. I really trust What's this him. guy's name? Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles. Good, good GM. But a good GM can hire great talent. Can a can great talent brought onto a team congeal in a way without the coach no. that you need? No, no. can't happen. Not. So you're saying a coach wins the day at the end of the day? Yeah, I I, I do. I think when if you're looking at a good offense or a good defense versus a good coach. I think it has to start with a good coach. Okay. Uh, can you, it's been done once that we know of for sure, but can you win with a great defense and a mediocre quarterback? Uh, sometimes it's happened. It, before. it happened. Who wasn't it? Wasn't it Trent Dilfer? Yeah. Trent Dilfer with the Ravens. Uh, I, that's a big one. Man, I mean, it's horrible, by the way, to be labeled a mediocre quarterback. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll say we'll say average. I mean, you think of uh, Nick the, Foles had a phenomenal Super Bowl, but yeah. he really, you know, Nick is. I yeah. consider him a, a brother in Christ and a friend. Absolutely, but he he didn't have this big Brady type run. No, and uh, and and who else? I mean, look at the '85 Bears, the the Jim McMahon era. Jim McMahon, he's a great guy. He is an average quarterback, and. Everybody, when they look back at the 85 Bears, they're talking about the defense. They're not talking about the offense. So it happens, but it doesn't happen often. You do need help on both both sides of the ball. As you think about, and let's shift gears here now, as you think about a prevailing church, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the church that God put his hand on is a church that the gates of hell are not, it's a prevailing church. Do you need good defense? Yes. Okay. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's the enemy, of course. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about that. Think about a prevailing church. Think about a winning team. Maybe you've been on a team like that. What was going on? What was happening? I mean, things were gelling. It was cooking. 
What were the most important attributes of that spiritual team, the prevailing church? What was going on? What was happening? Got an interesting article here that I'm going to go after here in a moment. It's got the top 10 attributes of a winning church team. But what do you say, Boom Crew? 312-274-9624. If you're, you've, you've got more than a sentence, you, you've got a story to tell. Give us a call, 312-274-9624. Taking your calls. Fun question. Super Bowl week, man. Yeah. We're so going to break it down. Trying to draw the connection here, Young Thunder. I'm working it. You sure? The oh, A-team. Oh, A-team. There we go, guys. So, I love looking at life. You know, it's been said, who, who's, who said we should um, have a newspaper in one hand and the scriptures in the other? Come on, who coined that phrase? Somebody help me. Uh, I'll find it for you. Boom Crew, you can help us out. Somebody's screaming at their radio right now. 312-274-9624. Forget who did that. But I think that there's a lot to be said for looking at what's going on in the world today and going, boy, what can we learn from this? What do you say, Young Thunder? Carl Barth. Carl Barth. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it Barth? It's pronounced Barth. Oh, okay. Carl Barth. He yeah. came up with that? He came up with that. Fascinating. We referred to Carl Barth here about two and a half weeks ago or something. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to be learned, but if you've been a part of a prevailing church where it was a winning team, you were taking ground. Let's be honest. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church that's moving forward is not just kind of sitting still. It's moving. It's taking enemy territory. What does taking enemy territory and getting wins in the church look like, though? Let's define that. What's it look like? Uh, I think it looks like the growth, not necessarily numerical growth of the church, but real growing up spiritually within the body. Yeah. People are really, really growing and walking strong in the Lord. That's exactly right. This is hilarious. We're getting a ton of responses in here. Everybody's saying Janet Partial. Janet oh, wow. Partial took that from Carl Bart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she attributes it, but she probably she's, says it. She's done attribution in the past. I've heard her. But, uh, that's that's Lots, precious. Well, I, my goodness, many of you. <laughs> I thought, did we put out a Janet Partial link that all I didn't sudden, know about here? All these texts so say, Janet Partial, Janet Partial. <laughs> yeah, this is really good. Somebody's, uh, somebody's doubling up here on... Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. What do you say, Boom Crew? What is the most, what are some of, let's not limit it to one, what are some of the most vital attributes of a winning church team? I mean, the church that is really taking enemy ground, like you were saying, Allie, people are getting saved, people are getting discipled, people are breaking free from enslavement to sin and yeah. stuff that's been holding them back. It's not just going to church. We're being the church. Yeah. I think, What's going on there? I think what we were talking about with football, we we don't have just, we're not just relying on the quarterback or the pastor to to be the strong one on the team and we can all coast by because they're strong. We We have to be a full team full strength, putting everything in 
you know, fighting, fighting back the enemy that's making disciples, that's being there for each other, to disciple each other, to remind each other, to correct when sin is present, all these things. You know, I was thinking about something because, you know, you're talking about head coach here a moment ago mm-hmm. and how important that is for football. And I think a head coach translated lead pastor, point pastor is sure. one. But if you look at an Andy Reid, you don't look at a guy, he's Kansas City's guy. Yeah. And you look at a lot of these head coaches, they aren't like, they aren't like all like take the hill. But one thing that they do really well, if you notice this, is that they have authorized all these other coaches. Yeah. Yeah. They, they delegate. They, they delegate, authorize, and empower big time these guys to do what they got to do. 100%. I think, I think sometimes you think it's about the lead pastor, but I really think it's the lead pastor's ability to pass the ball mm-hmm. that's almost more important. Yes. Yeah, and then within those different kind of – teams or if you're talking football a good let's say defense offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator they you look at what you have and you try to bring out the best gifting from that particular player so let's say you have let's say you have a quarterback you you don't try to make every quarterback back play like tom brady you don't try to make a that's that's a really good point. A Justin Fields play like a Tom Brady. You look at Justin Fields, you say, what is his unique wiring? How is he gifted? How is, if we're talking the church, how has God designed him? How can I help him win using how God's wired him instead of, because so often I think, and this happens as church too, is we see one way of doing it. There was one worship leader that everybody loved, and then you try to get the next guy to do do what he did. And it just, <laughs> it doesn't work. That's so good. You know, the beauty of allowing people to be what God designed them to be and not cram them into a, a square peg, proverbial yes. square peg in a round hole yeah, is right. just a beautiful thing. But what do you say, Boom Crew? What makes the church a prevailing church? What makes it a winning team? Getting some response on text messages here. Yeah, 7905 says inclusion. I love that. 9299, using God-given talents and passion for the team community, uh, being well-rounded in all of the areas of spiritual disciplines. 3110 says love team more than yourself. It's a big deal. If you think about these, I mean, look at Mahomes and Purdy, two quarterbacks that are out there. You know what they constantly do? They deflect attention from themselves. Yeah. In fact, I heard heard an interview with Joe Montana. You know what he said? He was on uh, McAfee's show on ESPN. Yeah. And he said, you know what my job was? I had one job. Get the ball to someone who could do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. He said that was my only job was to hand it off to a guy in a way that he could hit a gap and run for yards or pass it to someone who knew how to catch it and run with it. And I thought, what a humble thing for a guy to say. Yeah, absolutely. One of the greatest of all time, known that way. And he just says, no, I just, I'm just here to help other people who can do something with the ball. Somebody says prayer. Our pastor does so much on emphasizing prayer. Every Tuesday, 6 p.m. is opportunity for the church to come together and fellowship with prayer. A lot of churches are praying Coming up here in a minute and a half, I'm going to give you from an article in Biblical Leadership what they say are the 10 characteristics of movemental Christianity. Movemental? Movemental Christianity. Huh. I thought that's a good phrase. I like it. I haven't heard that before. Have you? No, I am eager to know what it means. All right, we're going to break it down for you. We're going to give you their top 10 coming up, minute and a half. 
going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Hard to argue with this one. This is an article out of Biblical Leadership by Ed Stetzer, 10 Characteristics of Movemental Christianity. Guys ready for them? Yeah. I'm going to go after these. These are dynamite. Number one, prayer. I would have to agree. I've been a part of two little mini awakenings in my life, kind of localized to the church or the movement, singles ministry in a church in Alaska. Prayer, engine room, no doubt about it. And, and excited, anticipatory prayer. Not just like having a prayer meeting, but praying, believing, knowing God is on the move here. We can talk to him. He's alive. So prayer, number one. Number two, intentionality of multiplication. What's that mean? That it's one, a church that wants to grow? Yeah. It's an, it involves an outward vision instead of inward. Raising others up instead of increasing ourselves. Fascinating stuff. Number three, sacrifice. Amen. Change will not come without giving something up, says Stetzer. No movement will happen until pressure is applied to move the church from the place of being static to a body of believers in action. Wow. Fourth, reproducibility. Movements do not occur through large things, big budgets, big plans, big teams. They occur through small units that are readily reproducible. I believe that. Hmm. Absolutely true. You know, you think... It, some of some of the most unseen but important people on the field are, let's just take this, defensive line coach. Yeah. You know who almost got smoked because their defensive line became like Swiss cheese when they hadn't been all season? Who's the that? 49ers. Yeah, you're right about that. Almost got smoked. And they sat down with the defense and they looked at film and they said, we're not going to pick out any one player, but we're just going to tell you as a team, we stunk in that first half. And they did. They yeah. made halftime adjustments, but they stunk. So it's not about big plans, big teams, big budgets. It's about small units that are readily reproducible. Isn't that good? That's good. Number five, theological integrity. You got to have that on the rock. You got to have the rock under your feet, right? Yeah. Number six, incarnational ministry. What's that mean, Allie? You know, I, I'm not entirely sure what, what is meant by this here. This means that we're putting Christ on display through the people. That it's not just words, it's actions. Love is a verb, remember? It's actions. It's movement. Christians speak and act, Stetzer says, in a way that directly addresses the environment in which we live, work, and recreate with the good news of Jesus Christ. Good stuff. Number seven, empowerment of God's people. You already went on that one. Yeah, Go for it, This Alan. is huge. I mean, if we if it's true and we know that it is, that every believer has been given gifts. We have spiritual gifts. And a good church, a church that's on the move, will have empowerment of people to use their gifts. Yeah, man. Number eight, charitability and appreciating other models. Movement Christianity is messy. Those involved in it make mistakes, overemphasize certain things, and even believe different things than we do. I love that. Number nine, scalability. Movements often are stifled within smaller communities because of small-mindedness and lack of preparation of local leaders. Wow. That's, that's hard to hear. 
And then holism in overall approach is number 10. The modern evangelical separation of gospel proclamation and societal transformation is a historical oddity. Jesus spoke directly to that idolatry and hypocrisy in the culture around him. See, a lot of people think Jesus didn't speak into the culture, but boy, did he speak into the culture in a big way. Oh, yeah. It's a great little article. I think we might make a key word for this bad boy. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, what do you say, Boom Crew? Let's go after this a little bit. Let's drill down on this. And if I'm going to ask my team here, if you guys could pick two of these, which two do you believe were most lacking in American evangelicalism from your perspective mm. today, and what can we do about That's it? That's a good question. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. A lot to be learned from the Super Bowl. It's kind of launched our discussion here about 35, 40 minutes ago. And you can't deny that there are some key components to these winning teams. How does KC get back to the Super Bowl again? How does that happen? Are they that much better in all their positions? No. No, actually, this year, the whole thing has been that this has probably been the worst the team has looked in the last six years, yet they still made it to another Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, there's key components to get to the Super Bowl that sure. you got to have. I mean, San Francisco 49ers, a team that I loved when I was a kid growing up, I mean, that was my team. I cheered for them like crazy. Absolutely. So the 80s and 90s were good years for me. Love it. They almost swallowed their gum. They almost lost the Lions. Because their defense was like a sieve. They were letting guys break off huge runs. You know what they said? The defense, the defensive coordinator, he said that the defense was making a grave error in thinking someone else had the tackle. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. Some, there's some practical application there. Someone else had the tackle. Can you imagine that? Yeah. And you look at tape. You watch the game. I watched a little bit of it back. And it's like, sure enough, guys just whiffed on things thinking somebody else had them. Yeah, it's not a good mental state to be in, but it happens all the time. So we got a list of 10 characteristics of movemental Christianity. <laughs> Stetzer wrote this article uh, several years ago, but it's a great little article. And it spikes these 10 attributes or characteristics of a, of a Christianity that is on the move. If you want this article, just text the word MOVE to 312-274-9624. Just text MOVE, 312-274-9624. All right. If you could pick out two of these, which two would you grab, Allie, that you say, yep, these are big boys here? As far as what I think are most important most or important. what I think are most lacking? Most important. Let's go most important. Think uh, I'm I'm in agreement with the prayer. I, I don't know if he listed these in order of importance or if this is just uh, a list uh, kind of w- in no particular order. But I think one prayer is is the most important. How can the church move forward if we aren't talking with God? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He's our head coach. I mean, in truth, the pastor is not the head coach. The head coach in the Super Bowl metaphor and the GM and the owner yep. is God. Yep. He's got all three roles. Absolutely. We're just on the field playing this thing out. Uh, second one, Allie. A theological integrity. I mean, I think those those two go hand in hand. I think, I mean, I've been a part of a couple different churches throughout my lifetime, and some were healthier than others. And looking back, there were 
there were some some concerns that I didn't see at the time with not, it was great that we gathered. It was great that there was a sermon. A lot of great things were happening, but I go theologically were, was that, was that biblical or was that somebody's decided to do it this way? And therefore that's how we did it. And then some, there are some times that I look back and go, you know what? I think that was, we did it that way because somebody wanted to do it that way. I don't think that was biblical. Hmm. It's a really good question. We got a great article here for you guys. Grab this thing up right now. Text the word MOVE. You can check it out for yourself. Text MOVE to 312-274-9624. MOVE, 312-274-9624. Ten Characteristics of Movemental Christianity. Great article. If you're a pastor out there, you got to get this thing. You got to kick it around with your staff or some of your key leadership, maybe your elders. Text MOVE to 312-274-9624. All right, we're going to get Superdye and Young Thunder's thoughts of this one coming up here. Love to hear yours. If you could pick two off this list, what two would they be that are most important? 312-274-9624. Get the article. Text MOVE to 312-274-9624. Want more from your morning show? Check us out on social media. Just go to Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. It's Carlin Crew Mornings, guys. I hope you're doing well with the Lord today, man. You're coming off of a big weekend, big sunny weekend. Felt so good walking out of church yesterday. Temperature was a, quite a bit warmer. It's, it's been nice, not, man. Not Balmy. warm, but better. It's going to be in the 50s February. on like Wednesday and Thursday this week. I'll take it. It's been close come on to now. 60, guys. Yeah, come on I've now. been reporting that. 57 on Thursday. On Thursday. <laughs> Has anybody yeah. been lulled to thinking that spring's on the way? Don't you no, dare! No, I have yeah, been a little no. lulled. Not get ahead of ourselves. Well, because it's like, uh, you know, um, what happened? So, you know, we got to like the the high 30s and the 40s, and I was like, okay, this is pretty nice, but yeah, it's gonna come back. It's gonna come back. The winter's coming back. And then we're getting to 50 now, and part of me is like, I don't know. Maybe it really is done already. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? No, because you do see a couple days after where there's no, I don't snow look in at the forecast. No, 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 no. I don't want to look at that. <laughs> Hold it. There's snow on the app? I mean, no, it's a week out. Next Monday. So many, many things change. Anything could happen. But, yeah, we, we drop uh-huh. back down into the 30s with a chance of snow. So, Superdye, you got this article in front of you? I do. What do you say? Top two things that you think are most important to see. This is titled 10 Characteristics of Movemental Christianity. What do you say? Mine are going to be simple, too, because I'm, I'm with Allie. Prayer's right there at the top. Okay. You've got to be a people of prayer, hands down. Just leave it at that. And right, if you're not theologically with the, it says theological, you know, integrity. integrity it, yeah, if you don't have the right theology, where are you going? Yeah. Stop right there. What, don't what even you, take another step forward. What you believe about God matters. Who? It really matters. And how are you going to disciple? Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we'll get Young Thunders as well here. Um, maybe he's going to go with down the same vein here. <gasps> Will I? Won't Will I? He? Who knows? <laughs> but if you want to look at this, this is a great tool. You're in church and you've got a leadership role or you've got a voice in leadership or you're just interested in seeing an awakening, a cultural movement, the church on the move. Grab this little article. Just text the word MOVE to 312-274-9624. Just text MOVE, M-O-V-E, 312-274-9624. Somebody just said the Canadian geese are here. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know that they ever leave, man. I don't think the robins left. I've seen a lot of robins this winter. Really? Yes. 
I've seen some birds. I don't know which ones are which, but wow. I've certainly I've seen some with birds. The red tummies, I've you know. seen some birds. Yeah. Saw a blue jay the other day too. <laughs> I saw okay. I saw one that goes tweet tweet. <laughs> rock and was Robin. it rocking or rocking Robin? Tweet, tweet, rock and Robin. Coming up here, Young Thunder's <laughs> top two off this list. Come and get it. 312-274-9624. Text the word move. Great little article on what it means to see a really winning Christ-centered movement of God. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Boom Crew, he never ceases to amaze me. We get a little article like this. 10 characteristics of movemental Christianity, and our Boom Crew is on it. These things fly out the door. Very quickly. If, you, if you're going, wait, did I miss something? Just text the word MOVE. We've got an article we're referring to. You can read it. Just text the word MOVE to 312-274-9624. Just text MOVE. Okay, here's the 10 characteristics. Prayer, intentionality of multiplication, sacrifice, reproducibility. That's disciples making disciples, right? Theological integrity. Super Di and Allie have gone with prayer and theological integrity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Incarnational ministry. That's, we're putting Christ on display to the world around us. Empowerment of God's people. That means every person has a place on the team, right? Uh, charitability in appreciating other models. This is interesting because sometimes we get locked in and we need to understand God moves differently in different ways and different times. Yeah, just does. absolutely. Scalability, great, great term, often used in business. But the question is, do we have an ability to grow and expand and still care for the needs of people? This was the struggle of the early church. This is why they started setting up elders and yep. started uh, leveraging gifting. And this is why we find in Ephesians 4 that the gifts of, of, of discipleship, evangelism, teaching, these are given to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So there's this multiplication and scalability that's going on. And then holism in overall approach. What say you, Young Thunder, top two? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to skip over theological integrity. And the reason I am is because I feel like that has to be a foundational piece. So I want to pick two more. Okay. I'm going to say sacrifice. I think sacrifice is important, especially in America, because I think that we do. It's easy to have a consumer mindset, myself included. Uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to get what I need and I'm going to receive what I need and then I'm going to leave. Yeah. And I think that we need to be willing to sacrifice for others, uh, serving them, hearing them and, and serving them. And then I think that scalability is a big thing because I've seen it all. I've seen uh, churches that aren't willing to scale up. And they want to stay small and that limits their ability to serve the community. And I've seen churches that scale up, but aren't prepared to do so and don't do it well. And I think that scalability needs to have that balance. You need to be willing to grow, but you also need to have a good plan in set to be willing to grow that when you do, you can take care of the people who come. Yeah. I was talking with someone at church yesterday, Dean Dahlgren, great guy. Works for a big company. And 
you know, his vantage point is a unique vantage point because there's a lot of things that are in the building trades and maintenance and uh, operations. Okay. I won't say the name of the company, but just Dean was sharing with me that uh, what they're seeing in that company is that they're starting to tighten things in a little bit. They're kind of they're kind of uh, without too many details. They're reeling things in. And he says that there, it would appear that this company, it's a big one, is preparing for some instability in our economy. Okay. Which, by the way, that's not new news. I mean, we've got, got some challenges with the infrastructure of our country. Sure. But he was filled with joy. And he said, you know what, Carl? He said, I believe that in 2024, we're going to see some upheaval that's going to cause people to want to come to the church like never before. And my question for you is, Boom Crew, are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready to take in people that, you know, post 9-11, whoo, my goodness, I was in Alaska and we were already jammed, but we got ultra jammed after 9-11. Yeah. You know why? When you have tragedy or any kind of a, a black swan event, as Catherine Herridge called it here recently on a broadcast, which is unusual for her. She's not a prognosticator that way. She's just a phenomenal journalist. She reminds me a lot of you, Allie, the way she talks. Mm. She was at Fox and then she went to CBS, but she just calls balls and strikes. Okay. She's just a ball and strike gal, but she's the one that said, we've got a black swan event coming in 2024. I'm not an alarmist and I'm not saying that she's a prophet, uh, but She's been in world affairs, journalism, reporting on things, and what she sees brewing is some really tough times for America. Black Swan event is a cultural shift in some way that we never go back and we're never the same again, and it's usually not good. But is the church ready? Should we have a Black Swan event or something, something that takes this, although kind of shaky, this pretty set plan that we're grooving in here in America and yeah. just turns it upside down. Are we ready for a big influx of people in the church? And the, the answer is today's the day to get ready. If you want to check out this article, just text the word move to 312-274-9624. Text move to 312-274-9624. Good stuff, guys. Yeah. Check out this article. This is good food for thought. If you're a pastor out there, grab it. Text MOVE to 312-274-9624. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, we got a really big game next Sunday. What's really the average? Yeah, a little bit. What's the average viewership for Super Bowl? That's globally? a good question. Um, down too, I don't know that Google, answer. Let me get Google Rific for me here. <laughs> Do you watch you watch the Super Bowl? You know, I try to. It can be tough watching the Super Bowl because you get a lot of people. Super Bowl parties get a lot of people that aren't real fans. <laughs> it's and, just an excuse to like eat yeah, and hang out. And the, and the commercials are great, or a lot of them are, and so it can it can get it can. The game kind of becomes for some people secondary. Yeah, and uh, 
I've got a stun that has strong opinions on that. That's why he watches the Super Bowl all alone. Oh, because he actually wants to watch <laughs> it. Yeah, he actually wants to watch oh, yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that's, There's a lot a of people like that. Us? Yeah, 113 million yeah. viewers last year. Oh, so about half of what Taylor Swift gets to a concert. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? Just a third of it. Just a measly third okay. of the country. So that's nationally? That's uh, No, that's just viewer it, total. Viewer count total well, from Well, see Fox what it is nationally year. versus international. I'm wondering how many eyeballs are on this thing nationally. I mean, they're paying how many? And f- by the way, how much is a 30-second commercial this year? Come on, Statman. Come on. He's <laughs> Statman. It doesn't look like they have national numbers. I just see the the total number for that. And then how much does a Super Bowl ad cost? For 2024. Yeah, by some time there, Carl. Yeah, I'm you, guys, you guys all have Google, too, just so yeah, you know. Yeah, but you're the stat No, it's more man. fun. It's more <laughs> fun waiting for you to do it. <laughs> okay. What um, do you got, Cat Daddy? Prices for a 30-second ad cost between $6.5 million to $7 million. Oh, it's gone up a little bit. Yeah. I remember when I was gobsmacked over a million dollars. Now it's what for 30 seconds? Six and a half to seven million dollars. Yeah, but you got so many eyeballs on this thing. Well, yeah, you got a, literally a third of the country. But I'd be curious to know how much of that, because they're entertaining. A lot of people love the commercials. Yeah. But does it actually translate into sales? So that's well, a good question. I mean, for Let's... some it must. I mean, I mean, I guess or you wouldn't do it, but exposure is good. But name exposure. Do people yeah. go and buy stuff because of a Super Bowl You know what? I the don't numbers know. don't lie. They are not <laughs> shelling out that money unless a vast majority of them. Now, there's companies that have gone belly up after this thing. I mean, it happens. But- Stanford did a, a a study that says they are mostly effective, but really? they don't drive to many new sales. People who are already introduced it's to the product. Branding. It's branding. So, you know, if you get one for Coke, one for Pepsi, the people who like Coke will go get a Coke. The people who like Pepsi will go get a Pepsi. Okay. Imagine if we got a 30-second com- commercial for Carl and Crew Morris. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Fun. I'd love that. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. What would we do? I'll talk to the manager. I would have Super Die choreograph. A little bit of the Bears shuffle from years ago. Oh, uh, a little Super Bowl shuffle? I'm on it. Okay. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> and we'd have Allie doing some singing on that bad boy. Uh, no. There we go. Come on. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, man. Although, be, speaking of singing, oh yeah, we would. We'd the have national Allie anthem, singing. the national anthem for the Super Bowl, is probably my favorite part of the whole thing. More Why? than the commercials, more, more than the game. Because I love hearing a good rendition of the national anthem. Now, I want to emphasize good. I don't like when people get up there and try and to take a lot it. of creative liberties <laughs> to where you're like, "What are you? What are you singing?" <laughs> and think Whitney had a beautiful. Whitney Houston, what are you cracking up, up there. about? Dude? Whitney Houston made me think of the Fergie. They're not the Fergie. Oh. National anthem at the okay, NBA All Star Game. Okay, now oh, we're on a, a now we're a, on a rabbit a trail. It was a jazz rendition of of the national anthem, and uh, and uh, let's see, the bombs bursting in it. Hey, proof tonight that our flag was still there. Oh, say oh, it was. It really was. <laughs> it's all right, man. And it, 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 the funny thing was the. The players were trying really hard not to, to laugh. laugh, to not laugh, and they all looked like. Have you ever seen like a kid in church? Oh yeah, <laughs> like you, I they, was that kid in church. Told to be quiet, and so then they're they're, they're trying to behave, and, <laughs> and they look down, and you can't look at your friend because if you look at your friend, who's also you're both going to yeah. lose it. So it was like watching the players was the really funny thing was because they were trying so hard to not <laughs> oh, laugh and not so look good. at each other, it but so it, it was 
too many creative liberties taken with the national anthem. Yeah. Just just sing it straight. Just sing it. Give me a good Whitney Houston rendition, the best of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I've listened to that just in my car, like me, on the way give home. Me some, give me that Whitney. Can give rendition. you some Whitney? Okay, so, just, not just some Whitney, the... Oh, you want the Whitney? Yeah, give it to me. I thought you wanted me to do an impression of Whitney. No, of course not. Whitney Houston Super Bowl national anthem. It's. I'm telling you, I've listened to it. It'll move you. It'll move you. It's power. It's power. She's saying it straight. Oh, but wow, it really was. It it the best. No one's ever done it better. Three and a half minutes. We'll do a comp. Well, we'll give a little bit of it. All right, here we go. You got it. Yeah, well, I think so. They're just giving me a long, silent intro. It's got a long run-up. Oh, oh wow. Singing yeah. of our national anthem. The anthem will be followed by a flyover of F-16 jets. Right, from the th- Here we go. <laughs> a little fast-forwarding in real time. Yeah. Back then, I don't think that, I was. I don't think I existed. I mean, the players were in tears. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was, just the whole. That's the way it should be hear, done. Right yeah, there. that was really good. Somebody said choral version of national Ooh. anthem. No, no. That, no we're not. Let me hear a little bit of that. No, no. <laughs> that was the Super Bowl. That was in 1991. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'll peel. Yeah, pretty. I'd be in diapers mm. four years from then. Got a question for you, Boom Crew. I want you to think about this a second. You don't have to be a crazy fan to figure this one out or to have an opinion on this one. Everybody's got an opinion. What attribute is most important to be a Super Bowl winning team? Think about that a second. What attribute is most important to be a Super Bowl winning team? Defense? Coaching? Offense? Quarterback? Defensive line? Halftime adjustments, 
I think that's a big one, by the way. I knew San yeah. Fran was going to make halftime adjustments. I knew it. And oh, they yeah. Did. They did. Oh, did they? Very much so. And boy, the Lions did not. Yeah. They had that game. They did have that game. So what are the most important attributes for a Super Bowl winning team? Think about that a second. In fact, we're taking calls on this one. Come on. If you're a real sports fan, you're going to call in and give us your take on this one. We're going to flip this thing around on its head, and we're going to apply it to the church in a minute. But we want to get some sports nutcases in here calling in this morning going, this is what makes a Super Bowl winning team. Build your case right now. Call in. Come on. Men and women alike, 312-274-9624. We're going to go lightning round, get as many as we can in here. 312 312- 274 9624. Just call in. Let's go right I feel like now. We're one of those like sports talk morning shows. Well, no, we're going to spin this on its <laughs> head, but I'll tell you, the whole world is focused on this thing, mainly because of Taylor's. Oh, we got calls coming in. Oh, we got calls coming in. We need them right now. What's the question, Allie? Yeah, what is the most important attribute of a winning Super Bowl team? What's it going to take for someone to win the Super Bowl? 312-274-9624. Call right now. Guys, this is your opportunity. Guys and gals, you've been sitting there. You've been screaming at sports talk shows. You don't have to scream here. You can just get your opinion in right now. 312-274-9624. We'll get to your calls straight ahead. 312-274-9624. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. What attribute is most important to be a Super Bowl winning team? We're going to flip this on its head and turn it to the church here in a moment. There's a lot to be gained from watching the world of sports and how it relates to a prevailing church. There is. There's a ton of metaphors that just, there's a lot of layover that's good. Rick and Worth, what do you say, Rick? Hey, hey, hey. I think the cohesiveness of the team and the coaching is what does it. Given the stage, their defenses, their offenses, their special teams are all there. But if they're not a cohesive team going into this, then they're going to fall apart because great players elevate the play of those around them. Yeah, it's very well true. Put. That's good, Rick. Well put, man. Tim, first time caller in Chicago. What do you say, man? I say perseverance because a team has to go through 17 regular weeks and then through the postseason playoffs, etc. And there's highs and lows, and like as San Francisco exhibited, they were behind. They had to figure out a way, so they persevered through the highs and lows. You know, it's really interesting because the young teams, there were some young teams with some great talent, Tim, like Green Bay. Absolutely. Uh, great talent. But there's something about these season guys that know how to – because in one game, you'll have four highs – Four lows, momentum shifts that just happened. There oh, yeah. will be that in the Super Bowl, and you got to keep your head about you, don't you, Tim? Yeah, and the thing is, emotions can play tricks on the body as well, and that's another thing they got to overcome as well during a game. Yeah, they really do. Good insight. Thank you, man. Uh, Gary, you get the final word in this little segment. What uh, what attribute is most important to a Super Bowl winning team, Gary? The most important attribute is selflessness, mm-hmm. the willingness to do whatever it takes for the team's benefit, not for personal benefit to achieve the result. 
This is good stuff. Yeah, I like that. Good insights. If you had a choice between defense or quarterback, what would you take, Young Thunder? Oh, man, defense or quarterback? They say defense wins championships, right? Offense will get you there. Defense wins championships. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a really hard one. Okay. I am going to, I don't know if you're trying to make a point with this. I'm I might, not making a I point. I might just level it, but I, I'm going to say quarterback because I've never had one that got us to a Super Bowl. I've never gotten to a Super Bowl because of a quarterback, and I'd like to try that sometime. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so I would say that. You know, Brock Purdy's taking a lot of hits. Saying Everybody's been saying, well, if you got a team like that, you could put any quarterback out there. Ah. Joe, Joe Montana disavowed that notion. Absolutely. He was interviewed by McAfee, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's completely untrue. This guy's putting dimes out there. That's right. He's throwing the ball before these guys break to it. Yep. I mean, he's, he's a smart kid. And, and, and by the way, interesting thing about perseverance and hanging in there. Yeah. Brock Purdy is a guy who will deliver the ball when he knows he's about to be laid out mm. by a defender. Oh, yeah, which is probably the scariest thing you got to do. Oh, you know you're goodness. about to get you jumped on by a 350-pound man, oh. <laughs> but you decide to throw the ball anyway instead of duck and cover. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's guts. courage, man. It's courage. Guts is a better word. Yeah. That's guts. That's guts. Guts. <laughs> what a great term. <laughs> We're saying it. We yeah, do this segment up with that one. Did you have a lot of guts, guts when you played volleyball, Allie? Were um, you the gut girl? No, I wasn't. <laughs> and I, I say that very seriously because I was one of those. I was the type of player, and I can I look back and I see it very clearly. I had some athletic gifting, but I had such a – my mindset wasn't – I never got – all that I could. You're not the killer mindset. I didn't have a killer mindset. I was very uh, easily kind of thrown off if things didn't go well. I had a hard time getting out of my own head. So I was one of those athletes that never fully achieved my potential because of my, my mind. So a mindset is so important for for an athlete. And a coach can help with that. A coach can help with that. And I and I, you know, looking back, you're like, what could have been? But I just didn't have a good mindset, and so I, I my potential was stunted. Because man, I was I was a, a a kind of a basket case in my mind. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, mind games—they're huge. It's tough. Oh, I am. I'd you be can, the same way. You can see it. It's the weirdest thing. But when a defense, they can be apathetic, and then something happens. Somebody gets sparks something. Oh yeah. A former player comes out on the field, and the crowd roars, and. They see that former player, and they're now all of a sudden where there was no energy. Now there's energy. Oh yeah, yeah. there's so much that goes into sports and life that statistics can't predict or yep. cover for you. There's momentum, there's feel, there's emotion. All those things are a part of life that we can't factor in. Okay, phone lines wide open. We're going to shift gears here right now. Biblical Christianity is a team sport, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe part of the problem is it isn't. <laughs> well. But biblical Christianity is a team sport. What attribute is most important to be a winning team of Christians? A prevailing church. Jesus said it, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to call in with the same kind of passion and vigor right now. Men, women, everyone, young people, Every age, every stage of life. I don't care where you are in Chicagoland. Let's fill them. We got 10 lines. What 
biblical Christianity is a team sport. What attribute is most important to be a winning team of Christians? Come on, let's go. Let's light them up. This is the big bowl here. 312-274-9624. Nine lines available. 312-274-9624. Give us a call. We'll take your feedback straight ahead. Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. You gotta clarify that. We don't do wake-up calls. Right, I won't, I won't call you like a hotel would call you. But we are a wake-up call. You're getting <laughs> up in the morning and you're sleepy. What we could do is have this for the wake-up call. A little stat man. A little stat man, yeah. yeah. This was I don't want to wake call. up to this. Why? It's a party. Yeah, You'd wake up, right? Because that's a <laughs> jarring way to it is. come out of sleep. <laughs> that is. Got a question for you guys. Biblical Christianity is a team sport. What attribute is most important to be a winning team of Christians? Got only four lines available. Come on, light it up right now. This is beautiful. 312-274-9624. Let's start with Marlene from Lake Zurich. Marlene, uh, tell us what's the most important or what one attribute would you say is really important to be a winning team of Christians? It's what Jesus taught the disciples in John 13. Humility and servant leadership. It's a big deal, isn't it? That's big, isn't it, Marlene? It's a different thing. Absolutely. Yep. And and just like, and when he taught them that, they were already starting to get fractured because they were worried about who was first and, you know, power struggles. He set them straight. That's not what's important. Humility and serving others. Beautiful, Marlene. Thank you for that. Way to go. Willie in Chicago. Willie, how are you, man? What do you say? Top of the morning, man. I heard about your vacation, but it's fasting and praying. Just like he told the disciples, these can only come out by fasting and praying. So we have to, we, how are you going to get the victory if you're not in unity, fasting and praying? Yeah, I'm with you, Willie. That's a great insight, bro. And I love you. Thanks for calling in, Willie. Yeah, I came back refreshed for sure, Willie. Liz, first time caller in Montgomery. What do you say? Um, humility. Because when a person or a church is too prideful, nothing gets done. And if it does, it ain't pretty, is it, Liz? No, it is not. <laughs> yeah, that's a great word, sister. Good feedback we're getting here. Yeah, have you got a thought on this? What attribute would you say is most important to be a winning team of Christians? 312-274-9624. Let's go, Jackie from Wheeling. Thanks for calling in. What attribute do you want to talk about? Mine is the spirit of forgiveness. Mm. We have to learn how to forgive others no matter what, just as Christ has forgiven us. Yeah a good insight. That is really good, Jackie. These are all great components of a winning Christian team, for sure. Carlin, Chicago, what do you say? Good morning! Good morning, good morning Carlin. I, I say, how about let's just keep it simple. Going to church. Scripture <laughs> says in Hebrews 10, do not give up meeting together as some become in a habit of doing. Um, I think that if we just meet together, we it'll give us time to have everything in common. I know we have this whole online um, thing going, and that's all great. Nothing wrong with that, you know, but there is nothing 
like sitting among the saints and worshiping and looking to one another and saying good morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. Definitely keeping it real and going to church. Yeah, yeah awesome, Carla. I love that. And there is something dynamite, dynamite about being known and knowing others. And when you're singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, you're doing it for the sake of the glory of God in the encouragement of the saints. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Requires a baseline level of showing up. Yeah. All right. A couple more. Christian, what do you say from Chicago? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I love listening to everybody's answer here. And, and I think one of those answers would also be the ability to be accountable to, to one another, because, you know, you might, see or hear somebody say something or do something that they think is right and, and holy and, and, and it just might not sound biblical or, or look, you know, the part, if you will. I mean, sometimes we need that. We need somebody to say, hold on, hold on. Like a pastor would tell you, hey, hold on. It, this is not what this part of the scripture means. Or, or your brother might say, you know, it looks like this, but you think it's not. And so it's always good to have that person accountable to, to uh, kind of help you in the right way. Yeah, I love that. And that's right on a Christian. And you know what? The and evidence of this from a football team, think about this. Everybody's got their spot on the field. You ever seen a blown play where guys, sometimes they'll point at the other person. Sometimes they'll pat their chest like, yeah. my, my bad. bad. My bad. Yeah. I missed that coverage. Mm-hmm. It's a huge deal. Let's get a couple more in here quickly. Howard, first time caller, St. Charles. What do you say? Well, Ephesians 2.10. We know 289 takes us out of the world. 210 takes us back into the world. And you mean exercising gifting? That's right. Yeah. That's He's a- created in us before we were created a, a giftedness to be, to be offered to the church. Yeah, I love and that. And unless we take that back into the church and back into the world. Yeah, we're missing it, man. I mean, that's like being on a field not knowing where you belong. Have you ever Very seen a, no have you ever seen a guy run out on the field because someone's injured and he's asking questions? Where, oh yeah. Hey, where where am I? What am I doing? What's my coverage? What what are we doing here? Absolutely. That's we need to be yes everybody in their place. Rosie, final word. What do you say, Rosie? I believe it's faithfulness. Um, well, not just only faithfulness, but I um, I see that there's been a lack of loyalty and then what we know and believe and trust in our heavenly father is his faithfulness for us regardless of what happens regardless of what we do yeah um and i see seeing that with other christians also will bring that true friendships i've been blessed with faithfulness through my friends yeah it's a Um, beautiful thing now there's something about being faithful being in your place on the field of play being a winning christian team Yes, we can do this, guys. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.